In this Ask Me Anything episode, I'll be answering the questions, what is your best tip for someone trying to lose weight, and why does God allow some people to suffer more than others? Welcome to Physically Spiritual. I've been amazed by how much growing physically healthier has changed my spiritual life. I am captivated with discovering the truth about my body and how it relates to my relationship with God. Physically Spiritual is my attempt to harmonize and share what I've discovered. I'm your host, Andrew Reinhardt. Just a reminder, I do these Ask Me Anything episodes monthly. So if you have any questions about any of the episodes of Physically Spiritual, any questions about spirituality, physical health, the connection of the two, mental health, just drop them in a comment to any video or on the Awaken app, and I will add it to the list for the AMA episodes. Our first question today comes from Kevin on the Awaken app. He asks, what is your best tip for someone trying to lose weight? All right, so I'm going to give this answer in brief, and then I'm going to go deep with it, probably maybe a little bit too deep, <laughs> and then I'll circle back and explain that initial answer. So I'm not going to not going to bury the answer, but I also, the answer hangs in a certain context. It fits within uh, an understanding. So my number one tip for someone trying to lose weight is to limit flavor novelty, limit the different flavors, and especially avoid hyper palatable foods. What's a hyper palatable food? A pa- something that's palatable is something that tastes good to you. So if it's hyper palatable, it means it's beyond what's normally flavorful. Um, so food scientists design food to hack our brains and hack our biology. Uh, and so these foods, they literally can drive us to eat too much. So we need to avoid all these hyper palatable foods uh, there's a great example of this on the show Man vs. Food. It's a guy who goes around and does food competitions. And there's an episode where he's in an ice cream eating contest. He has this massive thing of ice cream. It's like bigger than his head. And he's eating this ice cream and he starts to slow down after a while. And then he asks the restaurant to bring him out some French fries. And it's really kind of counterintuitive. Like he's eating all this food. Why would he want more food, right? You'd think that would help hurt him in the challenge. But he starts eating these French fries, and it enables him to eat more ice cream. What's happening there is it's a different flavor. It's, it's changing the signals in his brain and then switching back and forth between the salty and the sweet, the French fries and the ice cream actually enables him to eat more. We don't actually feel full because we're full, like we've reached a limit of capacity. The the stuff inside of us will just keep stretching and stretching and stretching. Uh, I don't know if I've ever heard of anyone whose stomach has hemorrhaged because they've eaten too much. Eventually, you'll just vomit or have diarrhea. The body will get rid of it on one side or the other. But you can literally just keep filling yourself up. So what we need to do is limit flavor novelty. These different flavors can hack our brain to make us eat more than we need to. All right, now let's go deep with this. When people are asking this question, I want to lose weight, what they're often saying is, I want to lose fat without losing muscle, right? They want to lose the the tissue in their body they don't want, and they want to keep the tissue in their body they do want. But the reality is that lean tissue is expensive. So muscle, bone, connective tissue, all of these things are expensive for the body to maintain. So it's normal when people are losing weight that you're losing both fat mass and lean mass. Uh, and then how you lose weight a lot of times will determine what percent of the weight loss is of fat 
and what percent is of muscle and other lean tissue. What's happening in the body every day is actually a process we could call fat flux. Fat flux. When we're losing weight, we're not actually losing fat cells. What's happening is our fat cells are emptying and filling. And this is a very dynamic and active process in the body of these cells emptying and filling. See, the body likes equilibrium. It likes to reach a balance. This is sometimes called set point theory. And the idea is that our body likes to get to a certain weight and then stay there. And it does this by changing your appetite. And oftentimes these set points are different places where our body has been at in the past for extended periods of time. So if you've gained and lost weight before, you've likely gained weight to a certain point and then hit a plateau. And then when you lost weight, you probably got back to a weight where you were at before and then stopped, hit another plateau. These are these set points where the body's comfortable and it hits this equilibrium. This is important to keep in mind. When a lot of people think about losing weight, they often think the most important thing to do is exercise. And it's true that exercise can help us lose weight, but the process of exercise isn't actually a good strategy for losing a lot of weight. You know, if you want to lose 5 or 10 pounds, hitting the gym a lot could probably do that. If you want to lose 50, 60, 100, over 20% of your body weight kind of weight, exercise probably isn't going to do the trick. And the reason for this is as our energy expense goes up, our appetite also increases. So you'll see some initial benefits to exercise with weight loss, but the real long-term benefit of exercising when you lose weight is it increases the percent of lean mass that you maintain while your body's letting go of the fat mass. To, To really dig deep and understand this idea of of novelty in food, we have to understand what the body does with the different things that we put into it. So if we break our food down, it's made up of macronutrients and micronutrients. Macro for the big things and micro for the little things. The macronutrients are sugars, fats, and protein, or you could call them carbohydrates, fatty acids, and amino acids. On the other hand, we have micronutrients. These are things like minerals and vitamins and different things we we need for our body but aren't the big, the big things, the most important things. So each one of these three macronutrients, our body does different things with them when they enter our body. And each one actually has a different nutrient or energy density to it. So let's begin with sugar. What does our body do with a sugar or a carbohydrate when it enters our body? Well, it, it turns it into blood sugar or sometimes called blood glucose, our glucose level. People that are are diabetic will take their blood sugar, and what they're doing is they're measuring the glucose in their blood. We'll use this initially for just the initial energy need of the body. Then some of this glucose is also used for glycogen storage. Our liver and our muscles store this stuff called glycogen. It's basically glucose and water. And this is that that quote-unquote water weight that will fluctuate when people start to lose weight. It's the body releasing and storing that glycogen The glycogen is in the body for your immediate energy needs. So like if something is attacking you and you need to run away or you need to do a wind sprint or something like this, your body is going to access that glycogen storage to to use that for energy. Now, this is why people who do exercise or competitions will carb load, right? What they're doing is they're loading up on glycogen, ideally, before the workout, although I don't think this is actually a good strategy. Then finally... 
if the, the sugar is not needed for energy or glycogen, the body will store it as fat. And it does this through insulin, pushing it into the cells. If the body can't store the fat quickly enough, it will then release and excrete the, um, the substrate. So this is why one of the symptoms of, uh, of diabetes is actually sweetness in the urine. <laughs> this is the body releasing the extra sugar out of the body. So what does the body do with fat? Fat or fatty acids, there are essential fatty acids that the body needs. And the body takes these fatty acids when we eat them and turns some of them into lipids. Lipids are your blood cholesterol level, the fat in your blood. So this cholesterol number that's often tested when people are worried about their their heart condition and things like that, these lipids that are in the blood are primarily used to build your cells, the lining, the membranes of your cells are constructed with these fatty acids. Especially, uh, it's important, certain uh, cells in the brain need fatty acids to, to function and to, to grow. Fat beyond that can be turned into ketone bodies. Ketones are also things the body uses for energy. And then finally, if there's fat in the body beyond what's needed for uh, cellular repair and growth, Beyond what's needed for energy, also fat can be stored as fat. Eating fat also releases insulin in the body. Then that third micronutrient, protein. Protein becomes amino acids. These are used for the construction of lean tissue. So think your skin, your muscle, your bone, your ligaments, etc., etc. Anything beyond what the body needs for this lean tissue, the, the body can use protein for energy, but it's actually a very expensive process, a very inefficient process. So the body doesn't prefer to use protein for energy unless it absolutely has to. Uh, this is the, the phenomenon that sometimes is called rabid starvation, rapid star, rap, rabbit starvation. <laughs> and this is the idea when people would go to like a, an island somewhere and maybe they were killing rabbits for food, they would eventually starve anyways because there isn't any fat on the rabbit. So they're not able to draw enough calories off of it in order to survive. If your body gets too much protein, it will deaminate it and you'll also excrete it out in your urine. This, is, uh, this process can be, um, can be harmful for the kidney. So sometimes people recommend not eating too much protein because of the work the body has to do to either turn it into energy or excrete it out. So the ability to get fat is actually an adaptive property of the body. The ability to get fat is an adaptive property of the body. What the body is doing is it's dealing with an acute problem by preparing for future needs. So the acute problem that the body is facing is an excess of substrate in the blood. Too much carbs, fat, protein that's been brought into the body and now is the body has to deal with it. So with that excess energy that's in the body, the body can store it as fat. And it has a near limitless capacity of this storage. So we can continually deal with this acute problem Right? Having too high of blood sugar could kill you immediately, right? while being too fat will kill you, but way down the road, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years later. Right? So the body is, is uh, accepting sort of a chronic issue, but protecting you from an acute issue, an immediate need. But, but the, the beauty, the, the elegance of this system is that this, this energy the body's stored, it can be used later. 
right? So if you were then faced with a famine situation, if you were faced with a place where you don't have enough food to eat, if you have extra body weight on your body, you can survive that better. There's someone who literally checked themselves into a hospital and said, don't feed me. And he lived for over a year without food. Now, part of this was he had, I think, over 200 pounds to lose, right? And he, and he lost it. But on, on the other hand, there are things like if you're dealing with an acute illness, like an infection in your body, being a little bit overweight actually increases your uh, capacity to survive that illness. Because if you're not able to eat, digest food, if your body's going through that situation and you don't have the body weight on you, you just don't have the energy to fight off the infection. Right? So having some body fat is adaptive. And in our modern culture, we don't appreciate this very much. We, we very much, I think, we equate skinniness with health. And that, that isn't the case um, to the extremes that we see in our society where people expect themselves to look like somebody on the cover of a magazine or something like this. this for most people, for the average person, being in the state that the average bodybuilder is at a competition or the average model is on the cover of the magazine is a deeply uncomfortable and unhealthy state to be in. And these people will, will prepare for months, hiring personal trainers, uh, people to cook their food for them, going through extreme discomfort to reach that state so that they can get to that moment of the photo shoot or the competition to then have that figure. Right? It's very rare that people maintain a figure like that for, uh, because of their genetics. The way the body runs is kind of like a hybrid car. A hybrid car. Your hybrid car will begin using its battery. And this is for like its short trips. But then once the battery is all used up, it will begin to then use gasoline. So that, that battery part of the energy in your body is the glucose. It's the carbs. It's the, the carbs that you've eaten and then also the carbs that you've stored as glycogen. And the body has a very limited capacity, though, for that kind of storage. The same way the hybrid car has a very limited capacity on its battery. But then beyond that, the, the fuel tank, the gas for the long long distance, the 500 mile drive that you might have to do, that gasoline is the fat in your body. So what a healthy body does is after a meal, it, it digests the food and, and sorts out where it's going to end up, all the different places they've already talked about. And then, and then you'll have a process of once the food is stored and the energy is used up and your body's at its equilibrium, you get hungry again. But if there's a reason why you don't have food for an extended period of time, maybe you're really busy, maybe food's not available, maybe you're just sleeping every night, your body will flip substrates. It'll flip from glucose burning to fat burning. It'll flip from carbs to ketones. So it's typical and ordinary that if you're not in a state of growth, meaning if you're not a child who's who's getting uh, getting bigger, or if you're not somebody who's working on maybe building muscle or something like that, it's normal to actually wake up and not be hungry first thing in the morning. So one of the signs that, that there's something uh, going on with your whole digestive hunger process that's out of line, if you wake up and are really hungry, that could be a warning sign. And the reason why you aren't necessarily hungry when you wake up is because your body has shifted into this long-term energy mode, into this ketone burning mode, this fat burning mode. And we all have fat that could last us probably for a month or two at least. 
even people at a healthy weight probably have enough fat on their body to survive for about a month. So this kind of equilibrium state that the body enters or the set point that your body's at, the question is what breaks us out of that set point? The most likely cause is an environmental change. So there's a certain seasonality that most of our bodies expect. If, if our ancestors grew up in a northern hemisphere or a far southern hemisphere where there are seasons, uh, our ancestors would have had to survive winters where food was more scarce. So there's signaling in the body that happens with the seasons. And some of this is just the temperature of the environment. Some of it's the, the night-day cycle. And another thing is what food is available. Right, Certain foods are available in the fall in these climates that aren't available any other time of the year. Things like fruit, a lot of it comes into ripeness in the fall. Right, So when, when we're eating a lot of this fructose, this fruit sugar, it's signaling the body to store fat. And, and fructose is one of the biggest things in our body that signals it to store fat. But because of the environments we live in, right, we live in kind of a land of eternal spring, a land of eternal fall, in a climate-controlled space where endless fruit and sugar is available to us all year round. This environment of eternal fall signals to many of our bodies a state of continual growth, a continual uh, energy storage state. Another environmental change is a hormone change in the body. A hormone change can have a drastic effect on the body. I recently experienced this. One, I had a, a condition with my eye that necessitated I cut caffeine out of my diet. And so without that caffeine, I had to adjust my, my sleep cycle. I had to uh, deal with, with uh, my energy, right? You eat for energy. A caffeine is a, re a replacement for energy. So it changed up my hunger a lot too. And then I gained some weight cutting caffeine out. And then my wife and I had a baby. And as a man with a pregnant spouse, your body releases a hormone called prolactin, it's, it's a nesting hormone. It's preparing your body for what you're going to need to face with a new baby of sleepless nights and, and et cetera, et cetera. And this is a fat storage hormone, right? So I gained 10 or 15 pounds this year, but I understand, I understand I had these big shifts, these big environmental shifts in my life that caused hormone changes that then changed my eating habits and then my storage of weight. So other hormone changes that can have dra drastic effects on our weight. The one big one is insulin resistance. This ins the hormone insulin is an energy storage hormone and a growth hormone, but it also is one of the main hormones that controls that switch between carb burning and fat burning. So if you have in high insulin in your blood, you're in a physiological state where it's impossible to burn fat. I'll say that again. If you have high insulin in your blood, you're in a physiological state that makes it impossible to burn fat. And this is a conundrum for a lot of people because a lot of people struggle with a, a problem called metabolic disease. And metabolic disease is a precursor to diabetes. And one of the, the hallmarks of metabolic disease is that you're dealing with elevated insulin on a regular basis. So you have chronically elevated insulin, but that chronically elevated insulin is able to keep your blood sugar down, right? So since your blood sugar is still low, you don't have the diagnosis diabetes, but since you're already experiencing this hormonal dysregulation, you have a chronically high insulin state in your body. Uh, so because of that, your body is continually signaled for growth and fat storage. And at the same time, you're not able to flip into fat burning. 
So what this means is that you can't flip the switch into flat fat burning. So every time you run out of that quick energy source, that glucose, the carbs, every time you run out, you get hungry again. So people get into this hunger cycle where like every two, every three, every four hours, they just need to eat. They, they maybe experience hypoglycemia, right? Their blood sugar gets low. It can't flip into ketones. So the body doesn't have another source of energy. You experience mood swings along with that. And then you experience extreme hunger along with that. But the underlying cause of this condition is that, is that high insulin state in the blood. Another common hormone issue that can cause this is hypercortisolinemia. So high cortisol or high stress hormones in the body. When your body's stressed, when it's experiencing danger, right, it thinks it needs to prepare for the future. So the, the, the processes in the body for digestion and these other important things are down-regulated or shut off. And on the other hand, your body's anticipating its need to survive. And one of the things that helps you survive in nature is being bigger. If you're bigger, you can fight bigger things. And also then the need for storage for energy in the future so there's a lot of reasons why having high cortisol, having high stress in your life signals to your body a need uh, to grow and gain weight. So let's circle back now, understanding all this stuff about um, what our body does when it digests, the different hormones that are working. My original suggestion, my original suggestion is to day-to-day to limit flavor novelty and avoid hyperpalatable foods. So this connection between appetite and novelty, once the body has enough of something, it actually wants to stop. Remember, the body wants this equilibrium. It wants the set point. It wants to stay regulated. So normal, healthy, functioning appetite, once you have enough of what you need, you get full. And this is why that, that man on Man vs. Food was able to eat more when he started having salty stuff, right? Because it, the body was starting to say, okay, I have enough sugar. I'm full. No more ice cream, please. Right? But then once he started to give it something salty, it gave a new flavor, novelty to the brain. And it said, oh, I want some more of that. We could use some of that. Yeah, give me some more of that. So then his appetite kicked up again and he could oscillate back and forth between the salty and sweet and continue to eat indefinitely. So a, a diet that's a perfect recipe for weight gain is a low protein diet that's half carbs and half fat. A low-protein diet that's half carbs and half fat. So if there was an alien that was abducting humans and uh, uh, running a, a human zoo on their planet and they wanted to get their humans fat, they would give them a low-protein diet that was half carbs and half fat. And if you look at some of the dietary recommendations that are out there of having a moderate diet, this is uh, exactly practically what some people are recommending. <laughs> uh so limiting the novelty in your diet helps your body um, restore its, its a natural uh, fullness signaling to it that can help you to lose weight. It'll also have a secondary effect since you're taking less energy in your, to your body as lowering insulin. All right, so there's two primary ways of doing this. One is doing a very low-fat diet, and the other is doing a very low-carb diet. Uh, I recommend and I use myself a low-carb diet. The reason for this is there are essential amino acids and essential fatty acids, meaning there are things your body needs from fat and protein that it can't get anywhere else and it can't make on its own. There are no essential carbohydrates. So if, if you eat zero carbs, 
your body goes through a process called gluconeogenesis, where your body, through the fat and protein you're eating, will actually make glucose out of those things for your brain and the rest of your body. So you can eat as little carbohydrates as you want. And if, as long as, you know, everything's okay with your, uh, with your hormones in your body, you can live indefinitely without those carbs. On the other hand, if you go without certain amino acids and fatty acids, your, your body will start to struggle. A lot of people will experience this initially with, um, with mental health issues. They'll start to experience anxiety and they'll start to experience, um, depression They'll start to experience agitation and difficulty focusing. Many people who uh, attempt a vegan diet and they don't design it well, making sure they supplement with the amino and fatty acids they need, will struggle a lot of times with mental health issues uh, down the road. Another thing that's big is uh, with um, with lean tissue. Your body needs that that protein for lean tissue. So if you're um, if you're avoiding what your body needs, a lot of times people will then suffer down the line with. Uh, muscle wasting, where then even if they get old and don't die of some acute issue, they'll have osteoporosis or osteopenia, where either their bone density has gone down to a point where they can't function properly, or their muscle has decreased to a point where their body isn't functioning properly. Um, So this is my number one recommendation for how to lose weight. And it's not just cutting carbs, it's also avoiding sweet stuff. Uh, keto is a very kind of popular diet these days. So there's a lot of keto treats and and low carb kind of stuff you can get that mimics high carb foods. And these can also be really problematic too because they continue to, to affect that signaling in your brain and affect your ability to, to regulate your weight and your appetite. Um, so cut out all the sweet stuff, and and you'll I think you'll find that your appetite will become more manageable, and also that the weight will start coming off. And all of this, of course, before you do any change in your diet, talk to your doctor, um, get some blood work done, make sure you have uh, medical professionals there that can support you in this process and make wise choices, especially if you're on any medication or you have any um, diagnosis around diabetes or any other metabolic issue. So with that, this ends the, the public portion of the Ask Me Anything episode. Thank you for everyone who's already a member of the Totus Tuus community, those who are patrons of Physically Spiritual. Uh, All of your gifts go to support the creation of the show, the production cost of the show. So if you want to become a member of the patron community of Physically Spiritual, go to physicallyspiritual.com, and there's different giving levels uh, with all different perks that go along with it. Uh, You can get access to all your perks from the Awaken app. So if you want the best experience of all these shows, video, audio, a great alternate to social media and access to a lot more, go to theawakenapp.io or search for the Awaken app on the Google Play Store or the Apple App Store. And so the rest of this episode is available only to the patrons of the show. So thank you for watching. Thank you so much for being a part of Physically Spiritual. Every moment of the show you've watched, know that I'm grateful that you've given your time to this. I'm so passionate about the message that I'm trying to share and I'm excited about the future of the show. So thank you for every like, every view, every watch, every follow, every comment, every rating you give in the show. And a special thank you to all you that are already members of the Awakened Nation. So thanks again for supporting the show.